This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. Chicago border trade price trends are being tested. Seasonal expectations are often talked about for the commodities we trade. And the Comstock Report even includes occasional recommendations based on these types of trends. There are a few other markets, like the grains, that illustrate so easily why seasonal tendencies would make sense given a normal crop year. Prices should be the highest before the crop is grown, when there is the most risk in production loss, whereas prices should be the lowest during harvest when supply is most available and the size of the crop is well known. Seasonal histories show that new crop corn futures normally rise in the spring and top out sometime in June before falling toward a late September harvest low. November soybeans are about evenly split over the past 40 years, either making their summer high in June or July, before usually carving out a bottom around the beginning of October. Wheat futures normally put their lows in around late June or early July, right around the time when the U.S. winter wheat harvest is moving past the halfway mark. Of course, there are exceptions to seasonality, and these past few years have featured what seem to be more deviations from the expected trends than usual, partly or even primarily because we haven't been given normal crop conditions during recent years of experiencing everything from record drought to record hurricane activity, and partly due to several black swan events, such as the outbreak of COVID and the start of the war in Ukraine. Many seasonal trends have been turned on their heads to the detriment of the traders following them. So far this year, examples of contra-seasonal price moves include sugar, which had sell singles in February and March that were large losers, June live cattle futures, which rallied about $8 against a short sell window from March 21st to April 6th, and soybean meal, which had a seasonal buy starting on April 11th that worked nicely for a few days, but then crashed hard into the exit date at the end of the month. Will the seasonal patterns be busted for corn and soybeans this year? Futures have mostly been moving against the trend for higher prices leading into the summer, but the bulls may still have hope in the form of more time-concentrated seasonal trades that do not officially start until later this month. R.J. O'Brien recently highlighted seasonal strategies published by the analysts at Moore Research Center, which we also refer to regularly in our own research. There is a seasonal buy on July corn spanning from May 24th to June 11th that has about an 80% win rate, 12 out of 15 years, and an average profit of $692 a contract. July soybeans are listed as a buy from May 28th to June 9th with an 87% win rate and profit of $1,366. Most notable about the bullish July corn and soybean seasonals is that they would seemingly provide opportunity for wrapping up old crop sales if needed, while also likely helping to pull up the new crop contracts for possible opportunities to short hedge. Despite the rapid planning progress, the latest drought outlook from NOAA's Climate Prediction Center says that while long-range temperature and precipitation forecasts have been promising a favorable growing season, the CPC drought outlook map shows a big chunk of the western Corn Belt, including most of northwest Iowa, will still see drought persisting through the end of July. The CBC map even shows drought developing in southern Iowa, northern Missouri, and northeast Kansas. That's sort enough doubt on the growing season overall to warrant at least some weather risk premium in these markets. For now, there should be enough risk with planting in early growing season weather that seasonal expectations for the grains can be loosely followed in anticipation of better marketing opportunities ahead. On livestock, 
Seaboard's chief says pork processing has many in the red. In a company statement, they report operating income for the quarter ended April 1st was in the red by $212 million, compared to a $27 million profit for the same quarter last year. Their among integrated packers and note the feed bill for their production units rose by $74 million, while the wholesale price they get for pork is down significantly. We can't argue with their point about negative margins. We report packer margins every day for both standard packers and integrated ones with their own captive hog supplies. The integrated margins have been in the red for months. A Canadian-owned packing plant in Minnesota filed for bankruptcy. Smithfield Foods says that they're liquidating most of their Missouri operation. Cargill's chief says that beef processing profits are shrinking too. Cargill became the nation's third largest beef processor as well as a major player in chicken processing and posted two straight years of record profits. The Cargill CEO now says that their animal protein business is faltering. He told Bloomberg that inflation was eroding meat demand while boosting company production costs to the point where its beef processing has now become barely profitable. With the shrinking beef herd, they expect profits to go negative. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.